to another episode of Fry Your Greens. Hello, Callum. Good evening, Mr. Fry. How are we? I am well, and are you well? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm not too bad. It's um, it's Christmas, of course. Um, it's not actually. It's never. It's not. 30th, but close enough. Um. And yeah, we've been, we've been, well, we haven't actually been away for very long, but we did miss a week for which I think we should apologise. And I think we should make very clear, it was not our fault that we missed a week. No, it's not. Um, Those of you tuning in today, having listened to the last episode we put out, may be expecting us to be today going through the work of Guy Ritchie and we'll be looking at the Bollywood film The Gangs of Wasipur. Uh we're not. <laughs> we're gonna work on it and we promise, I think Yeah. We should say we we can't find it basically. We want to do it's it. It's not it's not available other than via illicit means, which of course, as good upstanding citizens, we don't partake in. Um, apart from when we do. But um, So Yes. We will do it at some point. We'll find a way. Hmm. Because um, I, I was definitely keen to watch it. I don't know about you, Callum. Of course, yeah, no, absolutely. I was, um, um... So, instead, we have moved ahead in our schedule. And today we are looking at... Oh, Callum, if you introduce the films. So... This week, <laughs> uh, we are looking at The Italian Job, the 1969 version, not the modern version, um, and Fast Five, which is the fifth instalment in the popular Fast and Furious franchise of movies. Um, and I think we will do The Italian Job first. So, um, for anybody who um, has never seen or heard of films before. The Italian Job is the quintessential British heist film, action film, with Michael Caine um, as Charlie Croker, who is our... I was going to say hero. He might not be a hero. He might sort of be a bit of a... Oh, he is, he's portrayed as a hero in the film. Um, and uh, Noel Coward is Mr Bridger, uh, who he has to... Hashtag do a job for, uh, not in the middle of midfield, uh, in uh, Italy. Um, and they have to do a big heist, essentially. That is the plot of the film. And there is not really a huge amount else in terms of plot. Mr Fry, had you watched it before? Had you uh, read anything about it? And yeah, what, you, what, what has been your... Um, experience of the Italian job because as I'm sure we will get into uh, this film has taken on a bit of a life of its own yeah I I am aware that the Italian I hadn't watched the Italian job but I Hmm. am honestly I couldn't even say that because I remember I was watching bits of it and thought I've seen this before so maybe I have watched it before just not remembered it properly I am fully aware that it's Jeremy one of Jeremy Clarkson's favorite films 
I'm aware that it is everybody's dad's favourite film. I'm aware that it's been parodied to death, probably. We keep going, each week we get onto this, I think, Callum, and we think, look at films that have been parodied to death. We did The Exorcist, we've done Jaws, and each time I say, I've said, I think this might be one of the most parodied to death film of all time, the Italian job has certainly got to be up there. Yeah, I think we've picked maybe the sort of three or four of the most parodied, because they are the most well-known, um, I think. Um, yeah, there's... Um, I, mean, I think there's a Simpsons episode devoted to it entirely, and of course The Simpsons is the kind of cultural touchpoint for every parody ever. Um, and, I th- yeah, but it certainly goes beyond that. Um, you could argue that there are many parodies of it in <laughs> modern movies, uh, which I'm sure we'll get on to. Um, well, yeah. but yes. um, it, I know it from The Trip as well, with Rob Brydon mm. and Steve Coogan, because the you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off line. I, I can't do a Michael Caine, so I'm not going to try. I know I did Jaws last week. I did the speech, so I, I can't do Michael Caine. You, you did, do you of course, try impersonate that? Jaws the shark. Uh, no, I don't. Um, although I might slip into a little bit of Michael Caine at some stage. Um, you want to do... I can't really do a good Michael. I don't know. I don't really embarrass myself. You're only no, no, supposed I've, to blow the. Bu- I've got you're only me. supposed to blow the bloody doors off, Callum. I'm only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. You went a little bit Vinny Jones there. If you don't, if you edit that out, I will be upset with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beep it out. So um, I'll put in Michael Caine's exact voice, and they'll go, "Oh, blimey!" Well, that was very good. To do that very well. <laughs> you want me to do a reaction <laughs> to background that? and everything? Yeah. Um, oh wow, that was an amazing impression. You can use exactly. that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'll keep reusing. I'll keep clipping that. Um, so yes, um, I think first things first. Did you enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> no pretense of, in that. No, I legitimately enjoyed this film. It was. It's a very blokey film. I think blokey is the word that I can think of. It is... It's a... Like, more so than... Even Zulu, which we watched a couple of weeks ago. I think this is... Very blokey. Uh, Lots of... Very rogue opinions about the Italians being put across. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The film... uh, Has a bit of a... I mean, it's basically just quite casual xenophobia running throughout it, um, which I think was also very pervasive in our in, in the other film that we watched. But the yes, the sort of mafia connections um, that apparently are sort of throughout all of all of Italy, and the slightly caricatured Italian police, um, and uh, yeah, a few offhand comments by Mister Kane and Co. Um, kind of wraps all of that sort of um, great British patriotism uh, sort of wraps it up very oh, nicely and um, the fact that God Save the Queen is basically on a loop this this I found this very strange like very strange so the, the idea that um, I, I don't know if um, I mean I, I presume 
I, Mr. Bridger is kind of portrayed as a, a sort of, you know, the, the grand patriot in all of this. And he's and he's doing it for... He, it's, it's almost made out that he's doing it for queen and country. Um, but obviously he's not doing it because he's um, at her, you know, he's he's staying at the behest of Her Majesty in one of her nice uh, re- retreats. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a, a slightly strange dichotomy to, to to put in the film um, with the sort of of the bloody Italians but then also they are all kind of criminals um, yeah what did you think of Michael Caine's character because he is let's be honest really the only character in the entire story I mean Bridger also I suppose is sort of another big player but Really, it's Michael Caine's film, and he's just sort of running around and shouting at people and doing Michael Caine things for an hour and forty minutes. Um, what did I think of Michael Caine's character in this film, Callum? Oh, um, uh, not much. There wasn't. <laughs> Even the main character didn't have much of a character, as far as I could tell. <laughs> no, uh, that was that was kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> um, I did rather stitch you up there, and I apologise. Um, uh, yeah, I think. Oh, I answered um, right. <laughs> yeah, um, it's 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 quite odd um, that the, the film kind of doesn't really pay any attention to any of its characters so the, the the introduction to each of the characters is a quick going around of the table going this here is the person who's going to do this now here's the person who's going to do this here's the person that's going to do this and here's the person that's going to do this and that's kind of all we get um there's no real sort of character development the film basically exists in order to set up the you know the first half of the film sets up the second half of the film um and that's you then have the big heist, and that's sort of it, and then the film's over. Um, I don't actually think there's a huge amount wrong with that in terms of it being just a, like a really interesting action film. Because whilst the film is, let's be honest, pretty flimsy in the first half, like you're you're setting something up, you know, it, it's kind of a lot of exposition for exposition's sake. This person, this character has to go here. This character has to go here. Da, 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 and then go. The moment the film presses go on the heist, it becomes just a, a, a genuinely really exciting, fantastic romp of a film for 40 minutes. But the first hour of it is a bit rubbish, basically, is, is kind of where I net it out. I don't know if you, you're, I think you might be slightly more kind to it than I. Um, I don't know. I think the very beginning of the film, I really just hadn't, hadn't watched it before. So I was just watching a car drive across the Italian country. And I thought, oh, this is a lovely film. And then there was an explosion. And then it was basically, whoa, this is what type of film this is going to be. And then we get to the prison, and there's just some kind of funny moments, I guess. They weren't that funny because it was the 60s, and nothing was funny in the 60s anyway. But, you know, there are some fun musical moments as well. Um, 
And then you get obviously we get the introduction for all the characters, then we get the you only need to blow the bloody doors lot offline. And then it's a fantastic Yeah, I agree with you, the heist is amazing. The car chase I think is the key bit to this film. And in the sixties I've gotta say that was the how that was all done practical practical stunts and stuff and that that was amazing. How they actually pulled that off. Yeah, we, we will come on to this in the second film, but I think the great joy of that uh, car chase is that everything that those cars do, those cars did. Um, you know, there wasn't any kind of special effects. Everything that you saw the cars doing, um, they were able to do. Um, and it kind of it kind of grounded it and it gave you a genuine sense of, um, you know, sort of realism and not fear that's not quite the right word but excitement that you know you are seeing these three cars sailing through a um, a, a shopping uh, mall or whatever um, it did certainly remind me um, which and of course again we talk about sort of callbacks uh, the Blues Brothers uh, when they uh, go through the um, the shopping centre um, in their cars uh, and basically smash everything up um, they don't quite do that in this film um, but that uh, I was getting kind of callbacks to all kinds of different films throughout uh, and that was certainly one that I thought was was very uh, very pervasive. I, th- um, I would say though, if we come back to the character point, as a heist film, I'm not sure it entirely works because of the lack of setup of character. If you know what I mean. So you take a film like Ocean's Eleven, you know the characters, you know their roles. And their characters fit the roles, if that makes sense. And it's mm-hmm. very silly like that. It's all very stereotyped and stuff. But I think that's what makes the heist films fun like that. It, when they, those kind of things happen. And mm-hmm. basically every heist film since has set it up. This one doesn't do that. As we were saying with the characters. And I think... You get a lot of silly lines, but I don't think it. Give, you've got and you've got an amazing car chase, but I don't think it brings out the same sense of fun you get in some of the other heist films that you can see. And I think the reason for that is that there are so many. There are loads of characters in this heist. Like there are like twelve of them around the table. And the moment I saw twelve of them around the table, I was thinking, okay, they're going to have to introduce all of these people in twenty seconds, and they're not really going to be able to do any kind of chemistry between them. And there's not going to be any kind of you know chirps at you know one another, and then a bit of back and forth and stuff because they don't really have time to do that in this film. Um, it's kind of just you hear some characters, and wouldn't you know they're going to do a heist? Um, and there you do have, of course, the odd sort of one line is the bit when they're you know arguing about who goes in the back of the van and things. But that's not really, you know, it, it doesn't really have any kind of context behind it. You know, you don't have, uh, and I think certain heist films, obviously the the Oceans series does this obviously very well because they're you know. How I don't how many films they there have been of the Oceans films, but you know all of those characters, so obviously they can riff on, um, you know, the, the difference or I think the chemistry between. We'll talk them. about it, and again, I think it's something the Fast and Furious film actually did as well. Uh, uh, yeah, listen, yes, yes, it does. Um, I think <laughs> so. Th- this film, it, it was 
kind of I don't really want to say it's the quintessential uh, heist film because I, I really don't think it is I mean even back in I mean you you, you look at sort of um, what's the French Rafifi um, that was I think back in the 50s um, that was kind of a kind of laid the benchmark I think for, for films and, and uh, heist films rather um, and you know you see a lot of um, the Italian job in other films, but I don't actually think you see that much of the Italian job in heist films. Uh, you see a lot of the Italian job in uh, any Guy Ritchie film ever. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking, when I was watching it, I was thinking Snatch and stuff like that. Of course, yeah. But I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of sort of modern um, heist films. You're thinking about sort of American Animals, which is, is very gritty and quite dark in the end, but also quite funny. That's very similar to kind of Rafifi. Um, Widows, which is kind of very actiony um, sort of heist. Um, the eight Logan... remake. <laughs> that wasn't quite where I was... <laughs> I haven't seen that actually, so I don't know. It might be an absolute gem of filmmaking, but uh, somehow I doubt that. I, I think when I was watching it, I was thinking heist film, yes, but more so, I think it was a driving film. Mm. Yeah, I would describe it as um, uh, a. Would you class this film as 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 a romp? A hashtag British romp. I think it kind of... I was, uh, British being the key word. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we, should, we should probably also talk about the minis, um, because um, I don't think there's another film other than perhaps The DeLorean in Back to the Future that is so intrinsically linked with a film. Um, can you think of any others? The Aston Martin and James Bond. That's a very good call, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it it certainly has that um, kind of cultural impact and appeal that I think still is kind of ongoing to this day. Um, in terms of you see a mini and you think of the Italian job, at least well, you know, I think of the Italian job, and certain people of a certain age um, think of the Italian job um, as well. So yeah, um, other things um, that I noticed, um, the film would not exactly pass the Bechtel test. Um, its portrayal no. of uh, female characters is basically atrocious, um, which is another thing that I think we've come across in quite a lot of old films and probably quite a lot of the newer films that we've seen. Uh, it is, yeah, that's like really not good. I think it comes um, back to, as I was saying, it's a blokey film. It, yes, I think it is very much the kind of it's it's Yadar's favourite film um, because it's you know a bunch of lads having a good time and roughing up a few foreign lads in uh, in Italy. Um, so yeah, uh, and England wins. And England quite literally, wins. they win the football. Of course. Um, my goodness, we we haven't actually talked about the end. Um, what do you think happens on a literal cliffhanger? Uh, what yeah, you know? I was going to say that's very. I like. So I was reading a bit about it. Apparently, the, there was four endings that they'd written. The director liked none of them, so he did mm. that. Um, I think obviously, obviously, they survived because it's the sixties. But I, in my heart of hearts, hope they don't, <laughs> because that 
Not in any bad way, but I think that would be more telling of Britain and how Britain does things. And Britain in the 60s especially, especially if it makes me think back when we were talking about Zulu as well. Mm. Mm. I think it'd be... I think them not surviving would almost be the perfect ending is it, to that film. It would be a bit of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it, can I? No, you're right, though. Obviously, Britain, you know, during the 60s was having a kind of... And well, I was going to say an empirical crisis. I meant a crisis of empire and identity, and it was basically all falling apart, or it had all fallen apart, and they just kind of hadn't reckoned with it yet. Um, and so I think it's interesting to see how this film, you know, very much is kind of you know big on the Queen, and there's a quite a few Union Jacks uh, sprayed around quite. the place. Um, it's not quiet in its. Um, love for the monarchy um so yeah um I but think... are we meant to this is the question are we meant to because i don't think what was uh mr bridge's character was he meant to be a sympathetic character because i don't think he did he was i think his his love for the monarchy was something to be mocked from what i could tell or at least that's what um... i felt the director was trying to get across I, I think though at the, the end, um, when he has his standing ovation, though, I think he he's kind of seen as the you know the, the grand master, but he is still in prison. He, exactly, he's in prison. His mm. especially if that if the gold went over the cliff and they all died, it's it's kind of not ending in a crash, but with a whimper type thing. Like, it, all of this celebration is going on, but actually the whole thing's failed. Yeah. And I yeah, think, a, I think yeah. Bridger is a, a meant to be a point of ridicule, not of admiration, which I think comes back to the same thing I was saying about Zulu. I think a lot of the point of this film has been lost in its... in its basically its love by the Daily Mail types. <laughs> I think... But I think that it's again, it's happening again, because I think this film probably is subtly commenting on basically how shit England was in the 60s and early 50s, 60s. And indeed, actually, the reason they go to Italy to rob the bank is because they can't rob in England because they're concerned about the London Stock Exchange, um, which is what they talked about at the very beginning of the film. That's a very interesting point. So really, this film is about Britain's reckoning with its fall from... uh, Fall from Empire and Fall from Grace. That's very good. Um, I'm going to make a less... um, uh, sort of grand and I suppose interesting point um, Benny Hill as, as Professor Simon Peach who who's basically his role is to go around worrying large women in this film um, and essentially groping and sexually assaulting them that didn't age enormously well um, no not not a not a, not a good character <laughs> not not good at all have you ever did you ever watch any of the Benny Hill show <laughs> no I didn't I also thought the character Camp... There was a character literally called Camp David or whatever he was called. Camp Freddy. Yeah, and I... I I don't know why he was called Camp Freddy. Perhaps because he was wearing pink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't... 
Yes, that, that that's not the best. Um, but yeah, good. But, but you 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 enjoyed. It. I feel as though we, we. I think it was a it was certainly a cool film, and I think there was a lot there was a lot more to it than perhaps may, meets the eye. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's. At the end of the day, it's a film designed for that 40-minute whatever driving sequence at the end. Of course. And, you know, as I say, I think the best heist films, um, including some of the ones, you know, Rafifi, it's not just about the heist. It's about what happens after the heist. We don't get to see what happens after the heist because in in heist films, basically, it always all goes wrong. Um, we see it go wrong very, very quickly for two minutes at the end of the film and then we don't see it resolved. Um, but... Yeah, I, I do think that we perhaps, and I think I personally perhaps glossed over slightly how good that chase scene is because it is genuinely on. I think it's 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 up there with one of the best, just general action scenes and uh, sequences in in film. Really, like it's it's. I, so I good. think I'm sure at some point uh, Fryer Greens will start releasing our top ten favorite driving scenes and stuff in film and we'll do top 10 favorite action scenes that that's all to come on 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 the on the patreon once you all sign up and once we set it up <laughs> indeed and, and once we also need listeners because of course nobody is listening as uh, yeah um cool sign up um favorite character again i will go with um i'll go with lorna who was the, um, the the scorned lover of Michael Caine? Because I don't think she's treated right. very well. I'm going to go with Big William. Uh, r- racing? Hang on, where is the best scene as well? Oh, best scene, of course. Um, I will do the one when he, uh, when Michael Caine accosts Mr. Bridger when he's uh, in the toilet. Because <laughs> that did make me laugh. I'm going to go with the very bit at the end when the Self-Preservation Society starts playing. That's fun. And they're all singing along. <laughs> Apparently Michael Caine actually sung along in that bit, which I thought yes. was. He was in the, yeah, yeah. In, the, in, the, in the choir singing, which I, I quite liked. A lovely singing voice. I wonder if Mr. Caine's going uh, to By Quincy Jones, that song, by the way, Callum. There we go. And his it's author, really? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he did the soundtrack to that film. Hang on. <laughs> what, the Quincy Jones? Yeah, yeah. He did the soundtrack. Oh, my Blimey, I did not know that. That's fantastic. Well, there we go. Um, fantastic. Um, rating? Rating. I will go with 6.8. Okay, I'm going to go with a 6. That's fine. I, I I give it a lot of credit for for basically basically spawning you know all car chase scenes, both good and bad. Um, like it, it did launch cinema forward. I think that that um, that action sequence. Um, and oh, hang on, oh, I need to do a damn. That would have been a really good segue. I was going to say, and without that film, we wouldn't have the film we're going to do next. And we're now looking at Fast and Furious 5, otherwise known as Fast 5. And 
I would like, Callum, I, I know you normally do this sum up for us, but I'm happy to take it on for this one unless you've really got something to say. Please, please do. You can you can start, and I, I want you to give your your views of the film first, and I will I'll come back. Okay, so this is for those of you that haven't watched it. Fast Five is the fifth Fast and Furious film. Uh, we've already had fa- the Fast and the Furious, which is which our hero Brian O'Connor catches the evil villain Dominic Toretto. They race. Second one has. Um, Robin Pierce, who is Tyrese Gibson's character, that's Too Fast, Too Furious, um, in which Brian O'Connor takes on Tyrese Gibson. And then there's Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which is actually completely unrelated, except now it's not. That was retconned in the future, and the guy, the Chinese guy, Han, quite literally, um, shows up, and he dies in Tokyo Drift. But he's, for some reason, in Fast Five. And then there was a soft reboot of the franchise in Fast and Furious. And Brian O'Connor basically turns against the law. Special agent Brian O'Connor. And then we have Fast Five, in which the Dominic Toretto is hiding in Brazil. And they do... Uh, Brian O'Connor and Mia Toretto, who is Dominic Toretto's sister, is also hiding Brazil and they meet up after doing a job on a train where they get some cars and then stuff happens Dwayne The Rock Johnson tries to chase them down and then by the end of the film they are driving through the streets of Brazil with a giant vault strapped to the back of two Volkswagens we should have probably warned for spoilers but yes that is that is roughly a sum up I, I felt like a bit of the background of the Fast and Furious films was necessary uh, necessary for me as well, even having watched the fifth one. Um, have you had, had, so, had you watched any of the Fast and Furious films before, Callum? No, no. This was my first, um, my first foray into the the Fast and or Furious franchise um, because I I thought that it would be um, just sort of uh, smashy bashy. Who aren't cars good and they go fast? Uh, nonsense. Um, and, and I was delighted, of course, to, to, to find um, uh, a really interesting sort of neo noir chiller, which is, 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 I think, what this film film is. Adam, um, do, do you want to give your sort of initial thoughts yeah. on it? So, um, it might not have surprised you to, to know, Callum, but I had prior experience with this film. And the Fast and Furious, <laughs> Furious franchise in general. I watched The Fast and the Furious on a bootleg DVD at a mate's house when I was 11. And since then, I'd watched Too Fast and Too Furious. I'd owned Tokyo Drift on DVD, despite it being awful. And then had seen the remainder of the Fast and Furious films in the cinema. So... All of them? Uh, yeah. Up to The Fate of the Furious, which I've not seen yet. But I've watched up to Fast... Uh, I've watched up to Furious 7 in the cinema, Callum. Um, I would s- s- go into this. I will warn all the listeners that the Fast and Furious films are a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. I do yes. really like these films. And I think that's going to tinge my view. Yes. So, listen. You've you've talked there um, 
all about the franchise. What what did you think of this film? Why did you like this it? This film is my favourite in the franchise. <laughs> because, so, Fa- Fast and Furious, which was the one before this, was kind of like a soft reboot of it. But then this basically changed the entire dynamic of the films. It took all the characters that you knew from the other films and just started doing heists out of nowhere. Like this, the Fiat Rat, before this, it wasn't a heist franchise. And then after it was, it's a complete reboot of the franchise. And this film particularly is just, it's got a lot of very good, very flashy action set pieces, which I really enjoyed. It's got a lot of dumb one-liners. It's got a lot of Fast and Furious nonsense in it. I don't know if this is... I can't remember if it chucked out the line, I ain't got friends. I got family. But there's a lot of those vibes in there. And there's obviously the immortal, we aren't in America. We are in Brazil. And just Vin Diesel being a total nonsense man. But I love that, and I love that they added Dwayne The Rock Johnson into it, who is just very funny in every film he's in, unintentionally or otherwise. <laughs> I I am babbling on about it like this because I do genuinely just enjoy it for what it is. And I think it's... Whereas we talked about The Meg last week as not knowing really what it's about what type of action film it wants to be, whether it wants to be a cheesy one or whether it wants to be a really serious one or whether it wants to just be whatever. I think the Fast and Furious films know what they want to be. And I think that this film specifically knows what it is. And it doesn't have any pretense about it. It's not pretending to be anything more, but it's not pretending to be anything less either. And I think for that, it's just... It's to be admired... Uh, well, a counterpoint, no, it isn't. Um, <laughs> so... so <laughs> oh, okay, so I, I, I've tried to formulate my, my uh, rage uh, at this film down into something uh, slightly more uh, palatable. Um, generally, so, so we talked about rubbishy films last year. Uh, last week, sorry. Um, last year? And about, yeah, I know, yeah. Where does the time go? Um, and, and kind of why you like rubbishy films. Um, and, and I confess, like, I am not good with with bad films. I have a very short fuse when it comes to just crap films. Like, I don't like watching crap films. I don't find them enjoyable. I don't find them funny. I don't, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really care about them. That's not my, you know, where I derive enjoyment from watching, from cinema. I don't, need them to relax I have you know there are other other ways of doing that rather than watching shitty acting and shitty dialogue like I don't need it and people you know blowing up buildings for no reason like I, that's not my way of relaxing I get it if it's your way of relaxing that's fine um this film is I was I was furious when I was watching it's so so rubbish on like the most basic level so there's the plot makes no sense the Acting is rub. It's so bad. Uh, the dialogue. I genuinely wrote down here. Was this written by a four-year-old? And I, I, honest to God, I think a four-year-old 
maybe not a four-year-old, but perhaps a six-year-old could have written that. Um, it's just the, the bits when um, there's, there's a bit at the very beginning when when one of the characters I don't know their names, I don't care about their names. How does it feel being on the other side of a wanted poster? Who? What the fuck is that like? Like it's not funny. It's not intelligent. It's not. It's not anything. It's. It is pointless. Is what that is. Um, the the other thing I will mention is is that the the film obviously wants you to suspend your disbelief, um, and and it, it gets you to do that in consider mind suspended. It gets you to do that inside of the first 10 seconds because, of course, um, they uh, flip over a prison bus. Um, and I don't know, you know, obviously people may have seen the film. Um, people would, of course, every single person on that bus would have been killed um, if that bus had flipped over. But as the news uh, sort of cutscene kind of tells us, um, miraculously, no one died. What, what a surprise. Um, only one person managed to get out, though, and that was, of course, Mr. Diesel. Um, I'll call him Finn. Um, and they then proceed on what can only be described as, as two hours of just idiocy. And not good idiocy, because it's just... I don't, I don't get it, Adam. I really don't. Like, it, it's so boring. I was really bored watching it, because... All of this, you know, they, too much of a good thing can be, you know, you kind of overload on it. And the film is genuinely just like sensory overload because at one point they're running through a favela and crashing through windows. And then at another point they're suddenly driving cars and then there's a big explosion and then suddenly Dwayne the Rock Johnson's on the other team. Are these people supposed to be superheroes, by the way? Is that kind of a thing? Because obviously, like, they no. would have died. They just... Okay. They just don't die. That, that's that's part of the fun. Okay. Um, Except when they I do. Think... They do sometimes die. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I will... Uh, th- 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 my guess is that the body count of, of, of that film, though, though, just in terms of when they were driving the vault through... Rio, um, tens of thousands of people they've killed. They've mowed down civilians. Um, there's a there's a bit when 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 the vault just goes through a bank. Um, you know, it's sort of midday. So I imagine you know that's at least fifty people dead. Yeah, but lol, a vault going through a, ba- a bank. That's funny because it's a vault. It's not though. Like I don't find that funny. The film is is. And, and this is, I think, where... So, you can disagree with me about all of those things, and I can kind of see all of that. Like, if you enjoy the, you know, the fact that the film is shit and, and it's nonsense and it just explosions a lot, that's fine. Where I think the film genuinely annoyed me to a point where I, I didn't want to watch it anymore was the, number one, the rampant objectification of women in this film. Um... The only, there are two, basically, female characters. Uh, one of them uh, is uh, What's-His-Face's uh, girlfriend who's pregnant. Mia we don't really see her at all. Yeah, we don't really see her at all. And the other one is Gal Gadot, who is... Genuinely, she has to be groped and objectified in order for the plot to progress. That's the only There's thing There's also she does. the lady policeman. 
There was also the lady policeman, of course. I apologise. There's three. Um, and they talk they're a bit, to each other. They do, but about men, so it doesn't pass the Vettel test. Um, the, you don't know bit... that. At the end of the film, the lady policeman, <sighs> who is inexplicably with Dominic Toretto, talks to Mia Toretto. We don't see it, but we see them talking. We don't know you what they're cannot defend. You, you're surely not defending the film's portrayal. I'm not going There's to defend There's a bit when... I can they, they... I, I accept that. I mean, what are they doing? Counting money? And it's just... There's like maybe 40 women just in bikinis for no no reason in their underwear just counting money and then there's a big a, a big stick up and they set fire to the money again for no reason at all sends a message <sighs> no i can't i hate really defend the film's objectification of women but and just everything about it just annoys me like I, and I, it's because i don't like shit films i can't stand it, I, it but this this there is just I'm genuinely I think there's a lot to love I think like the bit where Dwayne the Rock Johnson's lying on the floor injures to the last in inside enemy territory and then Finn Diesel swoops in with O'Connor and a man called Vince and then Finn Diesel's arm glistening I should say glistening in sweat reaches down and then Dwayne the Rock Johnson's rather muscly arm launches back up and he takes the hand also a lot of sweat on his arm and you can see the muscles rippling Callum and I think that is what this film's about it's about comradeship and then at the bit at the end where it all seems lost and nobody wants to do the job and he says he's a He'll come with me, and then Dwayne the Rock Johnson pipes up with, the, "I'm in," and everyone's like, "What?" And then, why is he in? Why? Why is he in? That's not explained. There's no possible reason why he would be in. The Fry Your Greens podcast is experiencing some technical difficulties. Please stand by whilst one host tries to calm the other one down. Because, because it's not robbing a bank, it's robbing a police station, which is controlled oh. by Reyes, the Brazilian gangster who killed Dwayne The Rock Johnson's team. I'll ride with you, Toretto. And that is my review of this film, Callum. That is my cold, hard review of this film. I'll ride with you, Toretto. I've started shouting now. I don't... The, the levels are going to be all thrown off. <laughs> I will ride with you, Toretto. My review of this film is just... I don't care. I've suspended my disbelief. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy what is essentially a dumb two hours. And that is what this film is for. And that's what this film succeeds at. And it's what other bad films, in in quotation marks, don't succeed at. No, it... it, Well... Perhaps. The other thing that I want to touch on is the, uh, and this is another thing that is, I think, genuinely bad about the film, not just kind of artificially bad. The, the kind of xenophobia that is very prevalent throughout the film. Like, again, why is that in there? Why, you know, the, I imagine that the Rio Tourist Board is probably not best pleased about essentially everybody in Brazil. Well, they're all, all of the cops, all of the cops are corrupt. And, you know, there are gangs on the loose and, you know, they're running around favelas killing people. Like, I know that that is an issue, 
but all they're doing but you know you're kind of reinforcing what was that sorry about Italy all the cops were corrupt in Italy in an Italian job well, I know, and we pointed out that the xenophobia there as well. It's, it's a ridiculous portrayal. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically, the film is fine if you're ten. That's genuinely I, why I came out. Like, my, like, it, mentally, I, know I was. one ten-year-old, and I think he would really enjoy this film, because he w- wouldn't care that, you know, there's no plot or whatever, because... He, he doesn't really have a concept of that and instead he likes you know things being blown up and you know people running around a lot the other thing I think as well is that the, the film kind of breaks a lot of its own rules so if the film was entirely without rules why the fuck didn't they just you know drive in and try and pull the, the vault out in the first place um but then, you know, there's this kind of... At the very beginning, when they're trying to get the vault out, um, it seems to take all of the car's power. Whereas then, when it's, you know, sailing through buildings and things, it's kind of bouncing around like a tennis ball. And then at the end, it suddenly becomes very heavy again. It, like, and I know My you've got to suspend camera. all of your disability because it doesn't matter, and I know I'm just screaming to avoid it. because and I already feel stupid about making that point. But it just doesn't make sense. And it's stupid. And there's no need for it not to make sense. Because if you're going to do that, go all out. Like, I'll just... It's... Ah, I don't know. I... Uh, it's, listen, it's not for me, Clive. No, I know. This is absolutely not my film. It, it pushed all of my buttons in completely the wrong way. Yeah. Comparing it to the Italian... Were there any redeeming... Like, were there any redeeming the, the features in, in, in your in your eyes, Callum? No, no. It's there it's, must be. You have to find one. Otherwise, you have to accept one. that you gave two hours of your life for essentially nothing. You um, must have found. It spawned. So, and this is the other thing as well. So, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Mister the Rock, um, he was in Jumanji, uh, which you have seen, correct? Yes. Have. Jumanji, I would class as a bit of a silly action film, but that's a really that's a that's a good film because it's funny. Like at the very bare minimum, these films need to be funny. That film is not funny in any way. And so, basically, what I was going to say is, it, it, I imagine this film kind of spawned or, or, or moved Mister the Rock in, onto sort of greater heights, and he was then able to do Jumanji, um, and he was also in. Um, that wrestling one, Fighting With My Family, um, which is also very good, actually, with um, Florence Pugh. And I think Nick Frost is... Yeah, Nick Frost wrote it, I think. Um, and listen, I know nothing about wrestling, but that's actually quite funny and good, again. And those are the kind of films that I think... I, I wouldn't class them as, like, great films. Jumanji is... Like, it's not a great film, but it's a, it's, it's a decent two hours. It makes me laugh. There's action where necessary... This film just absolutely ODs on its own action within the first two minutes. There's there's too much of it. It loses all of its... Just... Oh, look, another thing's blown up. Oh, okay. Oh, he's jumping out the window. Of course he is. Uh, now there's a person here that I don't care about. and oh, the, the music as well. The, the, the scoring is dreadful. 
it's it really ended on Danzo Karuda, which is an amazing song. I'm sorry, but that's it knows what it's about. The effects, though, like, and again, this is where I come back to a fucking ten-year-old would have made this film. The bit when, like, you know, he, he there's a bit when Mister Vin pushes him, pushes the the guy up against a wall, and the score goes da da da, as if it's like sort of, oh my god, we've got to we've got to figure out exactly what's going on here. The music, we've got to do something. Shocking, shocking film. I fucking hated this film, and I'm upset that you've made me sit through that. I didn't think How do you find it as a pairing with the Italian job, Callum? Um, so the Italian job is kind of... Could we use this to comment on heists and car films as a, as a wider thing? Well, this is the other thing as well. So, I mean, I, I think, as we all know, and I, I had this revelation, and I'm sure others have had it previously, but um, uh, boys who like cars are girls who like horses. They are the same person, um, but obviously, you know, different gender. Um, and like horse girls, <laughs> car boys are utterly fucking insufferable, and I hate them. And there's a kind of weird sort of fetishization with with a car, which I don't get. Um, it, both of the films kind of use cars. Um, but in remark very very different ways um the Italian job uses them you know as proper stunts and you know you you get a very kind of um gritty kind of real aspect of what a car can do um whereas of course in 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 fast five uh cars are just sailing around the place doing things that cars obviously can't do um again deliberately I know I know. But I just found that really stupid. In terms of heist films, um, I don't think either of these films are particularly good heist films. Um, I don't know, I've mentioned it previously, but American Animals um, is, is genuinely one of the best films that I've watched in, in, in recent years. Um, and that is about um, four, four university students in America. Um, and they try and heist um, a painting. Um, and it's fabulous like it's, it's really really good because it's funny when it needs to be and it's very dark when it needs to be and it really establishes all of the characters excellently it develops the characters it goes through you see the heist I'm, I won't spoil it but as in most heist films things don't go quite according to plan um, and they really don't go according to plan in, in uh, American Animals and I think that's kind of what I want from a heist film I don't really want I don't want stupid heist films because I think the moment you make a heist film really stupid, I start asking questions like, well, why didn't they just fire lots of rockets at the police station? Because of course the, you know, the vault was going to be intact and you start just kind of, the, the moment the film has no rules, you kind of lose any suspense. Well, they have to use cars because it's a Fast and Furious film. Of course. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Yeah, I was about to say you've gone down in my estimations for liking that, but you knew I did. Again, you yeah, knew I did true. when we started. Certain things in that film are forgivable. The hideous sexism and xenophobia. I will. Know. It's like a Michael Bay film. It's terrible. It's actively really bad. Um, yeah, 
I don't think I have anything else to say on it. Oh, I've been shouting as well. The levels on my recording are going to be so, an absolute nightmare to deal with. I apologise. Um, favourite character, Callum? Oh, none of them. They were all awful. This is the other thing. I didn't even get this. The, the shorthand of the characters, like, I didn't care about any of them. I didn't... None of them were very funny... There was no real rapport with any of them. There was a sort of really weird romance with Galgado's character and, and Han um, that was just entirely unexplained other than he glanced over her at her and said, and thought, you know, she's pretty and that's it. That's literally all there was. Oh, and there's one scene when they were talking and then Galgado gets off and goes over and gets harassed in order to progress the plot, which I've mentioned previously. Um, you know, none of the characters were, were interesting I didn't care about any of them I thought they were all one dimensional I thought they were boring no I don't have a favourite character Rhea, the one who was trying to kill them I'd want the one who was trying to kill them to succeed I like Tedge portrayed by Ludacris <laughs> quality piece of acting stereotypes bad stereotypes um favourite scene I don't have when it ended but it didn't end that annoyed me as well post credit scenes we can have an argument favourite scene would have to be oh it's a tough one but probably every scene Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in want to be any more specific. What, a, what a man oh the scene when he pulls out an oversized pistol that is basically the same size as his arm the scene yeah what about the, the bit when uh, uh, when the, at the very beginning when the brazilian uh, cop asks him what do you need and number one he he requests the woman because she's quote got a pretty smile and number two he'd like you to stay the fuck out of his way Genius, genius writing. A tenure. Or the scene where his rippling arm is being picked up by Vin Diesel, or the scene where he's telling them at the end, you know, it's not in my character to let you go. And then he lets them go. (laughs) It it reminded me genuinely of, of like, of kids. You know when they play play with toys and Lego? And they, they sort of, you know, they, they've got it in their eyes. They're going, and then here's an aeroplane and he's going to come in. And then, oh, watch this. There's suddenly a big vault that's coming towards them. And then, and, and then this character is actually going to betray him. Oh. It's genius. Right. And obviously the scene at the end where they open the vault and Dwayne the Rock Johnson just oh. smiles and shakes his head. And, oh, you kids, you got the better of me this time, but... Don't worry, I'll be back. And he does come back. And I'm going to tell you, Callum, if we ever watch Furious 7 on this pod, my favourite scene in that is the scene where Dwayne The Rock Johnson flexes a cast off his arm. (laughs) Which does happen in this franchise. I'm not going to ask your favourite scene, because you won't have one other than it ended, and we've already been over that. Callum, what is your rating? Zero. Zero, I'm gonna give it a five. Off. I wish it. I wish it was never made. It's just and and the fact that there's so many of them, a hideous commercial series. It was everything I thought it would be. 
in the worst way possible. It wasn't more. And more. Absolutely. Um, We've not discussed what we're going to do next week, but I'm going to make an on-air... Yeah, I'm going to make an on-air apology to you as well, and I'm going to say next week we are... I'm picking... I'm looking through our little list, and next week we are going to move on to some rom-coms, and we're going to do Some Like It Hot and Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, okay. That's actually... That's an interesting... uh... Hey, that's a good pairing, that is. Um, yeah, it is. I like that. Um, in the meantime, it's uh, goodbye from Callum. Goodbye. And it's goodbye nice. from Mr. Fry. Goodbye. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Fry or Greens. Oh, yeah. um, I think we have a YouTube now with nothing on it. But we have it, so subscribe to that. <laughs> There we go. Um, Excellent. And we've got our email, obviously, that I've not checked. I don't know about you, Callum. No, I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think the dear listener knows what the email address is. What is the email address? It's Fryer. You should know. It's FryerGreens at gmail There we go. Fantastic. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.